Hello and welcome to Start Your Week from the Bunker with me, Alex Andreu. We should be winding down for the holidays. It is the 20th of December, after all, yet the news matrix seems more packed than ever. Let's try to pick it apart with the help of the brilliant Naomi Smith. Morning, Naomi. Good morning, Alex. Naomi, it is fitting that the last Start Your Week of the year should be dominated by the spectre of COVID-19 restrictions a venal government in meltdown, (laughs) protocol negotiations up in the air, and the PM in hiding. Um, Is this what what purgatory feels like? Is Is this purgatory? What better metaphor for the year? Um, Right, so let's start with COVID-19 and the Omicron variant. Will more measures come in and when? What do you think? Uh, So as we're recording this, I think Rob has just said, Uh, that there will be no more sort of hard measures, but just this personal responsibility line of you've all got to be extra careful. And over the weekend, Jacob Rees-Mogg, who of course is very much a a lockdown sceptic out there saying, see, everyone cancelling all their plans is proof that the government don't need to tell people what to do. They're sensible enough to do it themselves. So I suppose as we're recording this right now, it probably feels like Johnson hasn't got the political capital within his own cabinet, let alone mm. his own backbenches to to go full throttled. But Sage, of course, over the weekend saying something quite different um, and really urging uh, a sooner rather than later on bringing in more restrictions. So I just don't know. Um, we know that that uh, the I think is it, it's either Witty or Valance is up in front of some of the Tory MPs today. Valance at two o'clock, right? yeah. Valance at two o'clock. So, you know, good luck to him uh, because um, I guess he's being wheeled out to try and explain to these loons just how dangerous a situation we are in. And remember, most other countries in Europe seem to be bringing in measures much more quickly with far fewer cases than we've got. Is it simply that people are ahead of the government again, as they have been on every wave of this pandemic and the government will just follow what people are doing instead of leading it? I think it's horrible for people. I think the government is putting them in a very difficult position of basically saying you shouldn't have Christmas, but uh, we're not going to force you to not do it. And of course, different families have different people with different views on the level of risk to take. Mm. For some people, certainly some older people, they might just be thinking, well, I've got so much less of my life in front of me than behind me. I I want to take the risk. And younger members of their family saying, well, we don't want to take the risk. We don't want to give you COVID inadvertently. So I think it's causing some, you know, really difficult, horrible, soul-searching questions, Mm. um, uh, you know, and certainly is within my own family about what to do and whether to see each other or not. As usual, I think, you know, there is probably a divide in the population between, you know, those that are thoughtful and careful and uh, cautious uh, and, and understand risk and those that are more hedonistic and sick of it all and, and and will only do what the government tells them to do. I think Johnson is in an incredibly and increasingly difficult situation. Obviously, we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but yeah. he's had a major resignation in Lord Frost this weekend, and the Telegraph running a story today that there is at least one other cabinet member poised to resign if he brings in further measures. 
there also isn't a hell of a lot of time to bring in further measures. Remember, Johnson yeah. promised the Commons he would go back to them for a vote. Well, Lindsay Hoyle needs at least 24 hours to a notice to recall Parliament. Um, do they do some kind of hybrid voting system again? Can they bring that back up in, in time? And even if they do do it, say by Wednesday, well, how many people will have already embarked for home by then, wherever home is for them for Christmas, a huge number taking the Omicron variant with them. So he's in a pickle um, and <laughs> for many yeah. other reasons as well. But I, for, for, I'm just not sure. He's got to choose between his own premiership and, and you know, saving the country at this stage because I just don't see how he's going to manage to, to do both. Just now when you mentioned Patrick Vallens. I can't remember when the last time was that I saw Patrick Vallance stand next to the Prime Minister in one of those press conferences about COVID. Mm. They used to be quite regular features, didn't they? Yes. He seems to have disappeared. That might be interesting. There is also quite a lot of tension between the nations of the UK, isn't there? Because all three except England, have stricter measures in place in one way or another. And there are increasing calls for more help for businesses because Mm. that is a decision that has to be made centrally. There was a COBRA meeting yesterday that apparently the Prime Minister called that nobody had asked for, that he then failed to attend. I forgot to say. Um, Gove chaired the last one, and uh, I think it was Stephen Barclay chairing the one yesterday. I mean, other people do chair Cobras occasionally, but you would expect Mm. at this stage of proceedings and with Nicola Sturgeon openly asking the Prime Minister to talk to them. you think he'd be there, but he's not. What do we think on the increasing calls on Sunak to provide help? They're coming from both, uh, you know, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and also from the opposition, and also from some of their own backbenchers, especially ones who have constituencies that rely heavily on hospitality. Um, Will there be more financial measures announced before there are more lockdown measures announced, do you think? I don't. Um, And so that will be yet another thing weighing on Johnson's mind if he imposes further restrictions. And of course, you have to bring back some kind of furlough support for the uh, the venues that get closed down, for sure. It is not just the devolved nations calling for this. It is not just the opposition and some Tory backbenchers. It is, of course, business itself, uh, notably, of course, the hospitality sector, which is, mm. you know, already taken a huge kicking over the last two years and, and set to take even more of one now. And we talked about this on several shows over the last couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, cancellations through the roof, either because of, poor ticket sales or people cancelling, but increasingly because staff can't come in because they are testing positive for Omicron. And that is also the problem that the NHS faces, that even if this variant is slightly milder than Delta and doesn't lead to the the volume of hospitalizations, uh, the NHS can still be in a very difficult place if staff simply can't come because they are infected. So Johnson is in this really tricky place. Back to Sunak, I mean, The bookies still have him as firm favourite to succeed Johnson as leader. 
the the bookies don't know their history. They um, don't. That's exactly it, what I was going to. It's almost rarely. never the chancellor. It's almost never the chancellor. It's almost never the favourite. There were reports over the weekend that Johnson was considering three options. The first was sort of non-legally binding guidance. Which um, is what Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland has done. Yeah. The second was to bring back some social distancing measures and a curfew on pubs and restaurants. And the third was a full firebreak lockdown. And it looks as if basically he's going for number one, which is the dithery option, the, the option that says it's up to you. Is that fair enough at this stage? Can I throw that out there? Does not everyone not know exactly what this is now and how this works and what you can do about it? And is it not a fair enough time to say, look, you know what's out there, you know how it behaves, take responsibility? I don't think so because of the amount of misinformation out there and how little we still know about Omicron. And there does seem to be a very large sector of the population who will will repeat ad nauseum it's just a cold it's no it's milder mm. than a cold you know for most you know and and therefore we just mustn't we mustn't we mustn't that kind of message has really cut through and yet the one that hasn't sufficiently at all is well even if that's true the volume means it will still uh, potentially topple the NHS mm, and have mm. dire consequences for other people that need treatment for other things. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I did. I did even have you know one friend say to me, "Well, now we're at you know potentially a million cases a day. It, it, it's out of control. That you know, lockdown doesn't work now in the way it would have worked two weeks ago." Yeah. Um, and remember, it was Indy Sage calling about a week or so ago but do it now for 10 days then we can get out for Christmas that's the time to do it what about you Alex you did some numbers crunching on this didn't you in terms of, of the yeah the, the, the sort of confirm exactly that I mean on the 14th when Indy Sage called for a 10 day um, sort of circuit break uh, lockdown Sajid Javid was estimating cases to be about 200,000 Mm. with uh, the doubling rate being every two days, roughly. And if you just do some back-of-the-envelope progression scale, you find that basically if you if you did it then, it could have an impact because we're talking about 200,000 Omicron cases. If you're then talking about doing it after Christmas, by the 26th, there will be almost 13 million cases. Crumbs. So at that point, it becomes completely meaningless. I mean, the mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is that that rate even uh, picks up because of Christmas travel and mixing. Correct. And and by the 26th, we're talking about, you know, 26 million cases rather than 13 million. Mm-hmm. The best case scenario is that this variant hits a wall of immunity either naturally occurring or um, vaccine-induced and peaks and begins to drop off on its own, which is Mm. also a a possible scenario, scientifically speaking. I'm I'm sort of worried about saying that, though, because wasn't it one of the creators of the AstraZeneca vaccine who said a few months ago, the virus is running out of places to go? Yeah. And then, of course, no, we I mean, on the corner. <laughs> so, and, 
like I said, you know, it's a best case scenario. Yeah, so yeah. take it as that. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on to the government absolute meltdown over the last week. Let's start with the the culminating event, which was Lord Frost's resignation. Why him? Why now? <laughs> Well, there's um, there's what he's put in his resignation statement. Which is nonsense. And has got strong Steve Baker energy in it, mm-hmm. let's say. I believe it has very little to do with Brexit um, and a lot more to do with the fact that the Conservatives are nothing if not ruthless transactional politicians and they can see that they've got a wounded animal uh, and that wounded animal needs to be put out of its misery. Hmm. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we yeah. saw Lord Frost re-emerge in somebody else's cabinet. Perhaps as foreign secretary. Should there be a vacancy created in that position? It should there be indeed. Should should that person <laughs> have yeah have a promotion themselves? Um, so there was lots of rumor about well, is is you know is this why we managed to get our government to row back on the ECJ stuff last week, which was pretty profound actually. We weren't expecting yeah, that. Yeah. That seemed to be a, a you know the heels were firmly dug in, and then it was a kind of movement towards the end of last week that, that surprised everybody pleasantly, you know, on our side of course that maybe we'd be reaching a breaking of that impasse over the Northern Ireland Protocol. And so, you know, lots of rumours that, oh, he couldn't live with that, so he's off. I suspect there's there's part of that. He will have hated that. That is not the version of, of what, what's the WhatsApp group called? Clean Global Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that he will have Magical hated, Brexit. I think it's got far more to do with <laughs> unicorn fairy dust Brexit. Um, yeah. But I, this has got far more to do with the, with the wagon circling Johnson um, and them having their knives sharpened. And this is one of the first big beasts to abandon him. And uh, if rumours are to be believed, there are several more waiting in the wings. Trust having the protocol uh, negotiating and Europe brief added to her portfolio. What do you make of that appointment? Is it an offer of uh, a truce by Johnson to the backbenchers who were worried that this would mark an ideological change in how we uh, treat Brexit? Or was it an attempt to punish Truss for stirring it by giving her the poison chalice. Surely it's keep your friends close and your enemies closer. She is number one favourite with the party faithful, has been for a long time topping the Conservative Home uh, member survey of who's their darling of the parliamentary party. So this, I'm sure, will be a way to try and you know keep her nice and close and uh, make it harder for her to be a stalking horse against him. Remember, though, that the stalking horse never inherits the crown in Conservative leadership elections. She is very much of the same school of Brexiters, uh, Frost these days, even though she was a notional Remainer back in the day. And, As was and Frost. Form, <laughs> and a former Liberal Democrat. She, she was As was Democrat. Frost. So... Um, <laughs> So, but, you know, these days very much more in that that libertarian flank and, of course, trying to style herself as a modern-day Margaret Thatcher, even though Margaret Thatcher would have found most of what's happened with Brexit abhorrent, of course, because she was a big fan of the single market. Mm, So we can expect her answer to um, Sefcovic being no, no, no. (laughs) 
another photo leaks of another event that looks suspiciously like a social gathering. What do we make of that? Uh, so it looks like somebody has taken a photograph or managed to get hold of very high quality CCTV, CCTV photo from um, or still from an angle overlooking the gardens um, in Downing Street at, at the back of number 10 um, with the Prime Minister there during what was lockdown um, back in May 2020 with, mm. you know, drinks. Strictest, et cetera, et cetera. deepest lockdown. Yes, yes, the hardest one we, we have yet had. Look, whether or not it was reasonably work, I think, isn't so much the question as remembering that it is also a home it is where they live. So mm. we were all allowed out mercifully uh, into our balconies and gardens if we were lucky enough to have them during lockdown one. I think the real telling thing is who's leaked it. Yes. And it just it speaks to just how many enemies he's got now, how many people who are prepared to do everything they can to get him to go. And lots of speculation that the angle that the, the picture is taken from is quite clearly from the Treasury. <laughs> There's also rumours of more Allegra Stratton videos that I've seen. Simon Case has recused himself of the, from the Indeed. inquiry into the parties because it turned out that some of them were in his office. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all right. What about Nadine Dorries being thrown out of that WhatsApp group? <laughs> that's a delicious episode to this. Steve so, Baker removed Nadine Doris from the chat. <laughs> he cancelled her. He cancelled her, man. Yeah. The anti-cancelled czar, the self-appointed anti-cancelled czar, actually silenced one of his colleagues. How do the two topics interact, Naomi? Can a government with zero political capital, both among its MPs and with the public, govern during a time of such crisis? that may require them to take unpopular measure? Or are we basically condemned as a country to just drift deeper into problems because we are ruled by a government that has no moral authority? This was the huge problem when the Allegra Stratton video leaked for the country, which was that, in best written poll that immediately... And vast majority of people assuming that compliance with any guidance, regulation, law, whatever, would fall as a consequence of seeing the government behave that way and that they were basically laughing at lockdown us while they partied uh, and broke the rules or you know just didn't you know, exempted themselves from the rules entirely. Combined now with him having very little authority over his backbenches and increasingly little, it seems, even over his cabinet, the interaction is is very much that we are in an ever more dangerous situation with the pandemic because Johnson has, you know, sought to protect his friends when they've broken the rules rather than condemn them and show any kind of contrition. Um, mm. Why? Largely because he was probably as as guilty as the rest of them. And so, you know, at this stage, we're all looking to the opposition and what would they have done differently and do differently? And, and, and what is Starmer saying about all of this? It seems to me that he's prepared to back further measures, partly because I'm sure that, that, that that's their position and that they want to keep us all safe. But also because, you know, you can punch this bruise 
when the Conservative Party is in the mess that it is in at the moment, um, and that must be quite attempting. There was also, of course, a by-election. There was, yes. <laughs> Only yeah. a few days ago, quite an important one, quite a startling result. The Conservatives lost what was considered a, a, an uber-safe ultra, ultra seat. seat. Yeah. Um, are prospects for an informal progressive alliance better um, after that? What do you think? Interesting use of the word informal. I should think for informal, probably better. Uh, there was lots of, you know, oh, tactical voting works. It's great. It works. See, you can leave it to the voters. They know what to do. But as we, we talked about in our emergency podcast that, that Dorian Ros and I did on Friday after the uh, by-election result was known, uh, you just can't compare by-elections very easily to general elections for several reasons. The main one being that voters get far, far, far more tactical voting advice during a by-election mm. than they will in a general election because of the nature of, of national resource being focused very much on one constituency for quite an intense period of time. And because the political parties are allowed to spend up to £100,000 locally in a by-election, whereas in a general election, the local spend would be capped at about 15000 So it is much harder to get people the knowledge that they need come general election. So I suspect that there will be much more in the way of the commentariat and and those in and around centre-left politics sort of saying, oh, brilliant, yes, go for this informal thing, just like we had in 97 with the Lib Lab Pact. I suspect in some local parties there will be quite a different view. Mm -hmm. Certainly the local Liberal Democrats smarting from the local Labour Party in North Shropshire, not dialling it down and quite the opposite, doing a fair amount and and putting out their own two-horse race bar charts to to show that it was really them who were in second place and not the Lib Dems. Uh, It's an uphill battle, I'm not going to lie, particularly getting Liberal Democrats to understand that a progressive alliance would help them. Um, it, it is going to be tricky. And of course, everyone forgets about the dear old Greens and they really do need to be part of the conversation as well. Surveying the rest of um, recent events as if on a zip wire, let us say, um, congratulations to Amara Dukanu for winning the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. She, of course, ended a 44-year wait for a British women's single Grand Slam champion. Congratulations to Rose on a, a, for Strictly, the first contestant with hearing loss to win it. Uh, congratulations to the Brit Awards for announcing their first non-gendered nomination. Congratulations to Gabriel Boric for winning the presidential election in Chile against a, a really quite a far-right rival, Jose Antonio Cast. Um, is the populist right in retreat, uh, do you think, Naomi? I can't remember the last time I heard a, a sort of, you know, Trump-Bolsonaro-type result. Um, all the, the, re, the more recent ones have been sort of going against that trend. Yes, but I think 2022 might bring you a rather nasty gift in the midterms, so... I'm not going to be complacent at all about any far-right populist retreat, I think. I think Trump Trump is set for a big comeback. Yeah, and and while we're on elections, the the year's possibly least surprising result. uh, (laughs) You're going to say Hong Kong, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, pro-Beijing candidates somehow swept 
into Incredible. the legislative council elections, which wow. is amazing considering, you know, the rivals are in jail. Mm. Lowest ever turnout, really worrying situation there. Yes. So let's wrap up. Do you think there will be a traditional Christmas break to politics, as there there is every year? But it usually has started by now, I have to say. At the moment, it looks as if it's just going to continue full pelt over the holidays. I think you're right. I think we're going to, rather than have the sort of uh, sleepy season start uh, around now, I think we're going to have proper, proper, proper news right up to Christmas Day itself. Um, and then, bang, we might get a, a pretty big Boxing Day story. I mean, Boxing Day falls on Sunday. I believe there will be Sunday papers. Mm. Um, I think there will be some quite interesting polling stuff going into the Sunday papers. I'm not holding my breath for a downtime, put it that way. Um, although, if my team are listening, please do get some rest and relaxation. <laughs> We're all a bit shattered and exhausted. But uh, if we can guarantee anything from this government is that they'll do their level best to interrupt what is meant to be relaxation time with some disaster or another. And that's the end of this edition of Start Your Week, the last one of the year. Naomi Smith, thank you for joining us. Thank you and happy Christmas, everyone. If you found this podcast useful, then you can help us out and spread the word. Why not forward the link to this episode to three friends you think might enjoy it? It's really easy. There's a share button in every app. And nothing wins people over like a personal recommendation. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays. There is more bunker, of course, to come in the week. But from me, that's it. I will see you again next year. The Bunker Daily was presented by Alexandre. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronievich. An audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.